Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. As we stand on the brink of a new year and as we prepare to enter into 2023, Catherine and I tonight want to bring a word to bless you, to encourage you, and to build faith for 2023. And our prayer, quite simply, is that the Spirit of God will use this word to bring to the forefront of our minds and our hearts the promises and the possibilities in God in this next year ahead. The promises that rest over this church and the promises that rest over each and every single one of you. Now, of course, we can't go beyond our biblical bounds and say that just because it's a new year, all of the challenges that we're facing will go away. But we can say this, that if we choose to walk with Jesus, that we will not be alone this year and that there is hope and that there is help even in times of difficulty. And in all this, we do well to remember that our hope is not in the new year itself, but our hope is in the God of heaven who makes all things new. Now, when we look at the forecasts for 2023, political, economic, societal, what have you, when we consider all of the things that are going on in the world, the overwhelming and predominant tone is a bleak one, a dire one, And coupled with the personal challenges that we may also be facing, this may be causing some of us to feel anxious and worried about 2023. But whilst we shouldn't ignore these things, we must ultimately look to God's and to God's word to set the tone and the direction for our year. And Catherine and I, we've been doing this. We've been praying, seeking God on behalf of this church family. We believe that God has placed a word on our heart for you to share tonight. And it's captured in our sermon title, which is Fruitful in Famine. Turn to somebody and say, Fruitful in Famine. Now, a famine refers to a scarcity or a lack, an extreme hunger or dearth. The word is a negative one, which often conjures up image, images of ravaged lands and starving people. And as well as this very real and physical expression of famine, it's also possible to face famine or lack in our lives on other fronts too. Spiritual famines, emotional famines, relational famines, financial famines, to name but a few. But we want to say to you today, to you, the people of God, that even in famine, it's possible to be fruitful. That despite an ever-worsening climate in the spiritual realm, we believe that God is saying that now is precisely the time to sow so that we may reap a harvest. And tonight, Catherine and I, we are going to share four principles from Genesis chapter 26, which shows us from the life of Isaac how we can be fruitful, even when the conditions out there around us 
one of famine. And we want you to take hold of and ultimately to enter into all that God has said is possible for 2023. And we find the first principle in Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 to 2. Let's read. And it says, Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. And our first point tonight is this. Remain in God's calling. Remain in God's calling. Now we see in Genesis 26 that there was a famine in the land, but God told Isaac not to go down to Egypt, but to stay in Gerar. And so even though the circumstances on the outside didn't seem favorable in Gerar, Isaac, he stayed there. Why? Because God told him to. As someone who relied on the land for his living, it would have been very easy in the natural. It would have been the natural and logical thing to do, in fact, for Isaac to go down to Egypt. You see, in Isaac's day, Egypt was known as a land of prosperity. It had an abundance of water. The river Nile was there. And so this would have protected Egypt, no doubt, from the famine that was plaguing the other lands at the time. However, one thing to remember is that in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, Egypt often represents, not always, but often represents worldly values that are contrary to the kingdom of God. And here, God was giving Isaac a word, instructing him not to go down to Egypt to seek refuge or comfort there. You could say that God was telling Isaac not to go the world's way, or look to the world system, or to make decisions with purely natural reasoning. As others were fleeing to Egypt because of the challenges that they saw before them, they saw the famine and they thought, right, we've got to go to Egypt. God speaks to Isaac and he tells him not to follow the crowd, but to remain in the land that he was in despite the famine. You know, many times we get out of alignment with God because we make a decision about our future without having heard God telling us to do so. But Isaac, he listened to and he obeyed God's word, which in this instance was to remain precisely where he was. You know, often when things get uncomfortable or difficult, we look to move on to pastures new. We engineer our own change or we shake things up without consulting God. But unless God has specifically instructed us to do so, and sometimes he does lead us in a different direction, but here it's interesting that he wasn't doing that with Isaac. Unless God has specifically instructed us to do so, this all too often leads us down the wrong path and out of God's best for our lives. You see, rather than withdrawing or upping and leaving, God often wants us to stand firm in our present situation and apply his word to our famine, to our difficult circumstances. By way of example, when th things get tough financially, the temptation when we apply our natural logic is to withdraw our giving, our tithes and our offerings, not realizing that this is the very means through which God wants to bless us. That remaining a giver is a key to the breakthrough we seek. Or I've seen it many times before. Sometimes someone gets offended by another person at church. And then they leave that church without consulting God or without consulting spiritual leaders. And they end up taking themselves out of the very family that God has ordained for them to receive care and discipleship. God was saying to Isaac, don't look to Egypt. 
Don't look to Egypt, friends. Look to God. See things with a spiritual lens and not merely an earthly one. Keep doing the things that God has called you to do. Remain in God's calling for your life. Today we may be facing adverse circumstances in many different aspects of our lives. To use the metaphor from Genesis 26, we may feel like leaving the land because of the famine that is before us and around us. But sometimes we just have to stay in the land, remain, and be faithful there. For as we apply God's word there, that's the very place where God has appointed that at a future time, he will come through for us. So much so that even others will be blessed as we see in Genesis 26. You know, this reminds me of something that happened to me many years ago. I wasn't granted admission to the secondary school that I really had my heart on going to. And the school I ended up in, well, let's just say it wasn't a great one. It eventually actually closed down. And I was so disappointed that I didn't get into my first choice school, especially after experiencing the new school. And I wanted to leave. But as my mum taught me to do, I prayed about it. And you know what God told me? He said, Dominic, remain remain here trust me here honor me here be faithful here anyway fast forward a number of years and I was encouraged to apply to Cambridge University and I did and the college that I was applying to there was just one place up for the course that I wanted to to do the theology course that I wanted to do and I was competing against exceptional candidates from many of the top schools in the nation But by God's grace, I got the place. And I remember in my very first week at Cambridge, talking to one of the people who interviewed me. And he told me the story of what happened there in the interview decision process. And he said, Dominic, there were many brilliant candidates, but we chose you. Because when we measured you against the background of your school, you really outshone all of the other candidates. You know what, up to that point had been a source of disappointment and even shame for me had been the very thing that God used to usher me into one of the most major blessings in my life and out of which I've been able to be a blessing to many other people as well. But imagine what would have happened if I didn't pray, if I just applied natural logic and decided to go to a different school. I would have taken myself out of God's plan A for my life. You know, when God told Isaac to remain, I'm sure... Isaac didn't understand in the natural what he was telling him to do, but he chose to do it anyway. Because in the natural, it didn't make any sense. How could God bless him there in the midst of famine? But God said to Isaac, remain in the place you are. Trust my word, and then I will bless you greater than you've ever been blessed before. Remain in God's calling. So that's our first point, remain in God's calling. And our second point is to remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. Let's read from Genesis 26, verses 3 to 4. God says, stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. This is a huge moment. The promises that God made to Abraham, they're going to be passed on to Isaac. The same covenant that God made with Abraham, well, he's passing it on to Isaac. This is incredible, but it's not surprising, is it? 
The reason it's not surprising is because our God is the God of the promise. He is the God of the promise. Our God is the one who we can firmly put our faith in because he promises us his love and his grace and his mercy. Charles Spurgeon once said, faith without a promise would be a foot without ground to stand upon. You know, because we have God's promises, because God has promised eternal life to those who follow him, because God promises forgiveness for all of our sins, because God promises that his love is constant, well, our faith stands on solid ground. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God's promises are yes. If we want evidence of God's promises, well, all we need to do is look at Jesus. Jesus who came and died on the cross for me and for you, who took on all of our sin, who rose from the dead and conquered sin and conquered the grave and conquered death so that we could have eternal life. God's promises are true. God's promises can be fully relied upon. God's promises are better than even we could imagine. God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And you know what? Here's the other thing. God's promises aren't restricted by external circumstances. You know, in this account that we're reading in Genesis 26, there's famine in the land, as we've just been talking about. The circumstances don't look great. This is a challenging situation, a desperate situation, in fact. But even in the famine, even in the hardest times, God, God's promises still stand because no circumstance can stop the power of of God. No challenge can get in the way of God's promises. God is not stopped by famine. God isn't stopped by opposition. God isn't stopped by circumstances. So don't fear what's happening around you. Don't worry about the external circumstances that you might be in. God will not be stopped and his promises are steadfast. And you know, God is not just a promise maker, he is a promise keeper. He keeps his promises. God says that he will confirm the oath he made to Abraham, which means the same promises that he made to Abraham are going to be inherited by Isaac because God doesn't break his promises. God never goes back on his word. Numbers 23, 19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? God is truth, so he can never lie. God is constant. He's not fickle in any way. God doesn't just say things and not deliver on his word. He's a promise maker and he is a promise keeper. So I want to encourage you tonight. Remember the promises that God has made over your life, over your family's life, over this church. You know, God has promised to always be with you. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, God has promised that he will always be with you. God has promised that he will comfort you in challenging times. God has promised to love you with an everlasting, unending, incredible love. He's promised salvation for all those who follow Jesus. He's promised that you will be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember the promises that God has made to you. Remember the 
dreams that he's given to you. Remember the things that he's spoken over you and your family. And you know, God has made promises over this church as well, that we'd be a church that is known for the tangible presence of God, that we'd be a church that is part of transforming lives in Cardiff and beyond, that we'd be a church that pursues justice and the transformation of society, that we'd be a church filled with spirit-filled disciples, that we'd be a church that loves God and loves each other well. God's promises are incredible. His promises aren't restricted by external circumstances, and God keeps his promises. So remember God's promises. So there are awesome promises that God has spoken over us, but if they are to come to pass, then we do well to note this third point. Respond to God's commands. Respond to God's commands. Genesis 26 and verse 5 reminds us that God kept his promise to Abraham, who is Isaac's father. And we wouldn't be here in 26, Genesis 26 without Abraham. It says there in verse 5, because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. You know, there are some promises in the Bible that are unconditional, and then there are some that are conditional. The promise to Abraham, by virtue also to Isaac, was conditional upon his obedience. And many of the promises that God has spoken over us belong to that same category too. They're conditional. This means that though God has promised some great things for City Church, and though God has promised some great things over our own lives too, there is a responsibility for each and every one of us. In other words, these promises, they won't automatically happen. We need to choose to respond to the commands of God with obedience. And this is precisely what will activate the fulfillment of those promises. You know, sometimes we wrongly assume that since God is all-powerful and sovereign, that his perfect will automatically happens all of the time. So we think that whatever happens in our lives or in our churches must be his will. And because of this kind of thinking, many Christians just take a passive stand on the will of God. Well, if it's God's will, I guess it will just happen at some point or another. But you know, this kind of thinking actually removes our responsibility entirely. In Matthew 6 and verse 10, Jesus instructed his disciples to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, if God's will always happens on earth automatically, then Jesus wouldn't be telling us to pray for God's will to be done on earth. Such a prayer would be unnecessary. Clearly, by the fact that Jesus told us to pray that way, there are at least some things happening on earth that are not God's will. In heaven, God's perfect will is done, but not necessarily always on earth. Now, I'm not going to the other extreme and promoting the sovereignty of women and men, but I am saying that whilst remaining completely dependent on God, we need to take responsibility as individuals and as a church body to establish God's perfect will on earth as it is in heaven, in Cardiff as it is in heaven. We need to choose God's will. We need to respond to God's commands. Here's the point. We can't do it without God's, but God won't do it without us. So when it comes to being fruitful in famine, to entering into the promises of God, we need to pray as if it all depends upon God, but then work as if it all depends upon us. And sadly, many Christians and many churches fail to enter into the promises of God. The 
bright possibilities ahead of us in the new year. Many of us fail to enter into those things. Why? Because quite simply, we forget that we have a part to play in seeing the fulfillment of on earth as it is in heaven. We fail to respond to God's commands. You know, our obedience to God's word, regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the cost, is the vehicle that God uses to usher us into the promise. Friends, don't make the mistake of thinking that breakthrough comes simply because we've arrived at some kind of magical date on the calendar. It's not January the 1st that makes the difficulties of the previous year suddenly go away. Rather, in God's scheme of things, breakthrough often flows out of the obedience and discipline and consistency that comes from desiring, seeking and following God's word and his will and his ways. So yes, 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 there are great promises and great possibilities hanging over this church and each and every one of our lives for 2023. But rather than sit passively by waiting for God's will to just somehow come to pass, we must make a concerted effort to actively and wholeheartedly obey what God has said. This is how the will of God will come to pass, by responding to God's commands. And here in Genesis 26 and verse 5, we're reminded that God called Abraham to go on a journey where the destination was uncertain. But Abraham obeyed God and God blessed him tremendously. You may not quite know what the future holds for you in 2023, but God does. And nothing takes him by surprise. And all that God requires of us is faith to obey what he says and the willingness to take the first step. Isaiah 1 and verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. If Isaac, if Isaac would have disobeyed God and did what was popular and just simply left for Egypt, if he allowed himself to simply follow what he saw on the outside instead of applying God's word to his situation, if his father Abraham didn't do what God commanded him, then they would have never been blessed to the degree that God wanted to bless them. There is a great blessing in obedience. So if you want to possess the promises of God, if you want to be fruitful even in famine, then you need to respond to God's commands. So our fourth and final point when it comes to being fruitful in times of famine is reap what you've planted. Genesis 26 and verse 12 says, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Do you know, we love the idea of a great harvest, don't we? We love the idea of seeing more people getting saved, of seeing even more children and youth in our kids and youth ministries. We love the idea of the prayer meeting being full, the city being impacted, the nations being reached. But here's the thing. If we want to reap, we need to plant. You know, if you bought an allotment and you dreamt of strawberries and parsnips and rhubarb, I can tell what, I'm dreaming of in my allotment. But if you didn't plant a single thing, well, you can't then be surprised if nothing grows, can you? You can't be surprised when there's nothing there. All too often, we, we kind of expect the harvest that God will kind of just produce, and all we need to do is just wait. You see, here we read that Isaac reaped a hundredfold, and it was because God blessed him. It was God's blessing, but God wanted Isaac to do his part, and that's what he did. Isaac planted crops. There was famine in this land that Isaac planted in, but Isaac still reaped. You know, God can take the little that we do and magnify it. He can feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He can defeat giants with a stone and a slingshot. He can come into the world as a tiny baby. God is 
incredible about at bringing about the miraculous, but he asks us to do our part. He used a young boy's pat lunch to feed thousands. He used a young man's courage to bring down Goliath. And he used a young woman's faithfulness to carry and birth Jesus. And he used Isaac's planting of crops to bring about a harvest. You see, Isaac planted seed, even when others would have said it was impossible. It looked impossible to reap in that land. He planted seed in a dry, parched, desolate land. But our God is the God of the impossible. All things are possible with God. When we look at them in the natural, you know, the conditions may not seem right, but God shows that we can trust in him and follow his ways. We can experience his blessing. You know, if we truly want to reap, to be fruitful in times of famine, we can't be passive. We can't just sit and wait for things to happen. We have to be the ones who plant. We have to be the ones who sow. You know, when you've heard a word from God, it's not a sofa to sit on. It's a spade to dig with. We don't just sit back passively, but we lean in actively. This means that we've got to contend for the promises, both spiritually and physically. Spiritually, we need to pray we need to battle. Do you know, let me tell you, the enemy does not want you to reap. And a surefire way of stopping you is by stopping you from planting in the first place. Prayer warriors, you need to contend for the promises. You need to pray for this church, for each other, for this city. You need to recognize that this is a battle, that you need to pray in the name of Jesus, the Jesus that has overcome, the Jesus that has already won the victory. And physically, we need to commit. You know, if we really want to take hold of God's amazing promises, we need to show up. We need to prioritize the gathering, prioritize getting together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be generous with our giving. We need to get stuck in to serving and we need to love each other, to look out for each other, to believe the best about each other. You know, you think that you might be coming to a service, but you're planting You think that you might just be giving your tithe, but you're planting. You might be thinking you're just joining a team to serve, but you're sowing. You may think that you're reaching out to somebody that you see on their own, but you're sowing. You may think that you're doing seemingly small things, but you are sowing into great things. Keep sowing. Keep planting. Your seed can change circumstances, can change the church, and can change this city. So reap what you've planted. You know, by sowing you can impact the future. By sowing, you can impact this church. By sowing, you can change the destiny of this city. Isaac obeyed God and God blessed him right in the place where he was. And we believe that God wants to do the same for you too. And we believe that God wants to do the same for City Church too. But it won't happen automatically. We need to listen to what God has said and we need to do what God has said Just as Isaac sowed in the season of famine and reaped a hundredfold in that same year, City Church, we can see the miraculous happen even in a year, even in 2023. We can be fruitful in a time of famine. And so let's remain. Let's remember. Let's respond. And surely we will reap. Amen. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.